Welcome to Brazos Matters. I'm Jay Sokol. We live in an interesting community. The largest university in America is stuffed into a medium-sized city. And so in terms of population, you take number 31, College Station, you combine it with number 47, Bryan, and you still only get to be the 14th largest population in Texas. So I say all that because more than 70,000 students coexisting with Aggieland's full-time residence isn't always easy or harmonious or graceful. In College Station, a lot of the work to educate each side about the other falls on today's guest. Barbara Moore is the City of College Station's University and Community Relations Manager. Barbara, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Okay. So when you and I first started working together in 2009, Mm -hmm. you'd already been at the city for a little bit, and you were the Neighborhood Services Coordinator. Yes. And that was your role for a good number of years Mm -hmm. until the city manager's office stole you from me, from public communications. (laughs) You you were a willing participant in that. (laughs) And, And you became an assistant to the city manager and you were over a number of special projects. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Now your title is University and Community Relations Manager. So how is this role different from the things you've done in the past? It kind of um, still has some features of what I did in the past. Um, neighborhood services is still um, something that I um, supervise. So that stayed the same. And there's still some special projects that, that I work on. Um, from time to time, but um, more of my focus now is on um, working with the revamped off-campus student services office um, that Texas A&M brought back um, last year in 2023. Um, Definitely, they saw the need to bring that office back with the number of um, students that were coming in, um, being housed here and living in our community. Um, I think they felt like it was time to um, reestablish that office. Uh, General Ramirez led the charge on that, no pun intended, mm-hmm. um, and got that office back up and reestablished um, in a very short period of time, actually. And so a lot of our work now, myself and the Neighborhood Services Coordinator, goes to working with those um, people in that new staff office. So what does that office, the off-campus student services, what do they do and how do you interact with it? Yes, so they were in existence um, when I came to the city in 2007, um, had some organizational changes, and um, much of that department sort of became more virtual and was housed in a, several different spaces. So it kind of went dormant um, in its old format before. But basically, their goal is to try and educate um, and advocate for the majority of the students at Texas A&M that live off campus. Mm. Um, provide resources for them, um, educate them on the city's ordinances, both College Station and Bryan, um, as well as trying to help them when they have needs, um, help them looking to um, issues around leasing, um, helping the families prepare as their kids move off campus and making sure that they have really good information about the off-campus options, um, being a sounding board for um, the students who live off campus, and then just also working with the city to be sure that we are together uh, producing materials and getting information out there to educate the students on what it means to be a good neighbor and what it means to live in the city. And so that's a pretty huge role, and, and they're, they're an office of about six or seven people, um, and they they have been charged with um, 
educating a whole lot of folks. And so we work together on doing that uh, along with our code enforcement community enhancement uh, department um, at the city. How nice is it to be able to work together with them? Because for those years when they were dormant, all of that stuff kind of fell upon you. Yes, myself and and Lacey Lively, Mm -hmm. who was in your department, um, several pieces of that um, department came to the city. One was the community living course um, that was sort of pioneered by Judge Ed Spillane um, to try and help get students who get um, different um, citations and violations dismissed um, or deferred. And they go through a four-hour course where they learn all about the city, and he teaches them about the expunction process, as well as the um, Be a Good Neighbor um, coordinating group, which is staff from the city of College Station and Texas A&M that mostly work with the off-campus populations. Those two features were a part of off-campus student services before it went away, Mm. and the city felt that it was just, they're too valuable to let them go. So we decided to bring them in-house, and they became ours when that office um, went dormant. Yeah, and the reason that uh, students are even in this community living class is because, what have they done? Um, MIPs, public urination, mm-hmm. disorderly conduct, um, some of those types of things. Just those, some things that happen sometimes with college students. They do, and, and I think there is a a misnomer that those types of things don't matter, but they do. They can stop you from getting internships. They can stop you from getting jobs. They can even stop you in some instances, depending on if it's you know looking at asking questions about if you're trying to get an apartment, if you've ever had certain types of convictions. And so um, those types of things, we realized Judge Spillane felt like it would be really good to teach people how and give them the opportunity to get those things expunged from their records so that it doesn't stop them as they're trying to further their career and go to grad school or go to med school or go to law school. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the successes and some of the challenges that exist right now in College Station neighborhoods. And and things are different Mm -hmm. from neighborhood to neighborhood and and from parts of town to parts of town. But tell me about some of the, I guess, call them pain points right now in College Station's neighborhoods and how are those being addressed? And then we can talk about some of the successes. Sure. Um, I think right now the... um, the increased enrollment and the number of students in the community obviously will be um, something that I think the neighborhoods are watching. Um, We do also coincidentally see a lot of high-rise development happening in Northgate Mm -hmm. um, to try and accommodate that. Um, That's a great option. You don't have to worry about a place to park. You can walk to campus. You can walk to all the places you want to. And those options help to relieve some of the moving into neighborhoods um, by having all that density in Northgate. So I think there are two high rises over there under construction now, and those should provide some good relief um, for some of the neighborhoods. So I think that's a positive is that you're seeing the development in Northgate really take off and it will probably be attractive to a large number of students. However, there are still a lot of students Um, as evidenced by the fact that we have a lot of apartment complexes that aren't at full capacity that prefer to live in a home setting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as long as we, you know, have that option, you will have students that will choose to live in neighborhoods. And so um, the city is not currently doing a lot of proactive enforcement of um, the no more than four. And so we're working with Texas A&M on a huge education campaign and ways to educate the students on that, how that works, and 
all those pieces um, before enforcement ramps up and restarts sometime later this summer. Okay, because it seems like maybe I was talking to Judge Spillane. I can't remember who I was talking with, but at that time there was a concerted effort to enforce this but you're saying that's yes. kind of waned a little bit it tamped down okay um and um jim ramirez asked if we would give him time to get that staff up and running um get them boots on the ground some programs under their feet some successes some some um, models and some things that they could do to make things work right um and putting together relationships in the community as well as with the cities um, to give us give them time to do that before enforcement ramp back up. Right. And so um, the goal is for enforcement to probably ramp up sometime this summer, um, having been a, about a year at that point by the time the office would have been reestablished. Mm. Mm-hmm. What are some other issues that are coming to city staff and city council? Um Right now, that has been one of the main ones. Um, We always have the traffic issues and the Mm -hmm. parking issues, and and sometimes those are an outgrowth of um, the homes in the neighborhoods where you have a lot of students living, and sometimes even not even students, but just families where there are just multiple cars parking on the street. So those always provide um, some challenges for navigating parking removals and and things like that like how does that work and Mm. um, those are always brought to the council um, for them to take a look at and residents always get an opportunity to um, to share their concerns about those Um, so those are kind of some of the other things that we kind of see cropping up Um, I think everybody's really excited that the off-campus student services office is back yeah Um, and they have um, done a tremendous job Dr. Stephanie Baker and Dr. Jacqueline Upshaw-Brown lead that office. Mm-hmm. And um, they've put together a great staff. Um, many of us from the city who worked with that department previously were actually part of the interview process for their team. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so that we could, since we're going to be working so closely together, um, we kind of had some input on, you know, who would be the best fit for, for those positions. Um, they have um, the two, the assistant director, the, rec- the director. Um, they have a neighborhood specialist. Um, they have a housing specialist, and I think they have one other vacant position that may be available. So they kind of retailored that office, really looking at where the challenges were to try to put some resources towards that. Hmm. How about, okay, so we talked about a couple of the, the friction points within neighborhoods, which I think are probably going to be the same things forever. I think because so. Because of who we are. Mm-hmm. But uh, what are some successes that come to mind? Well, recently we had the Southside Neighborhood reach out to us last summer. Um, last year was the 100th anniversary of the Southside Neighborhood. All right. Um, and for those who are not familiar with Southside, it's directly across the street from a and hmm. um, So on the other side of George Bush. Um, um, and so they had their 100th anniversary. It was a big deal last year. They reached out to the city and said, hey, we'd like to do something a little different we'd like to maybe take the green street signs that y'all have and maybe make them maroon and, you know, add some features to it that, that matter to us. And so um, talk with the city manager. He was like, you know, I think that's a great idea. So we enlisted public works um, and say, Hey, how would this look? How would this work? Um, and then of course we reached out to the public communications department um, because we wanted to say, Hey, if you guys want to put some type of decal or emblem mm-hmm. on there, you know, we can help you come up with some initial designs that could go on the sign. And so it became a real team effort. So um, public works worked with um, a local sign fabrication company to kind of, 
you know, run all the details down on what that would look like and how many signs and, you know, the placements, the location. Um, and then public communications um, got some ideas from the neighborhood on what they would like to see on the sign. So um, they initially, it was a guinea and an oak tree. Okay. That and, makes sense. For yeah, that it does. Right. And then the oak tree got killed off and the guinea survived. <laughs> okay. And so, which if you know anything about guineas, yeah. They can make some mean little characters there. So the guinea remained, and so the emblem has the guinea on it and the 1923 to 19 uh, to 2023 100th year. And so they will be marooned. You will okay. see them all throughout the South Side neighborhood. Um, the project was fully funded by the neighborhood. Um, so, and then the city staff will just assist in installing them, and they'll be done by a local sign fabrication company. So it was just a real big team effort. Um, and so they're having a historic home tour in April um, of this year. And so uh, hopefully we'll have some of the signs up during the home tour. But we just thought that was such a cool partnership and a really, really good feel-good opportunity for both us and the neighborhood. And if anybody doesn't understand the Guinea reference, there's a, I guess you call them a flock of guineas. They are. A gaggle of guineas uh, that... that <laughs> Rome, uh, the South Side. That is their home. That's their territory. They don't go very far. Yeah. And they're very, very protective of their turf. They are. And so if you ever spend any time at Bryson Park, (laughs) you will experience the guineas. You will. Yes. And and, um, I hear that there's some additions to the flock. So there are some new ones over there. Okay. Yes. All right. So... Registered Neighborhood Association. Mm -hmm. And we'll get off of neighborhoods in in a minute. But when you started with College Station as Neighborhood Services Coordinator, how many were there? 37. And there are how many now? Over 100. Wow. So considering the continued growth Mm -hmm. of College Station, are there any conversations at City Hall about expanding the resources of neighborhood services? You know, I think right now um, we have a, a neighborhood services coordinator um, and, and she's doing a fantastic job. Um, it is and can be a lot to manage because mm-hmm. you have so many neighborhoods and there are some neighborhoods, the one closest to campus, um, the needs are similar, but then there are others whose needs around the city are very different. Um, so it does take a lot of coordination. And I do think as the city grows, I could totally see that there would be a need for another person to assist in that area. Just by the sheer numbers, it's like two people mm. for 100 plus neighborhoods is all. It's it's a small amount compared to the number of people that we have to service. Well, and, and I'm sure most people don't know or don't think about the fact that you guys have to answer so many questions. Mm-hmm. You have to diffuse so many mm-hmm. issues. You're problem solvers. So when when people can't find an answer or find the right office for whatever is right. of concern, mm-hmm. they go to you. They do. You're problem solvers. That's right. And so it, it takes up a lot of time when it you does. have that many registered neighborhood associations and even... Um, unregistered correct because well. we get people who who reach out to us who you know they don't have the vehicle of an association they just have a problem mm-hmm. and so we we still have to find a way to serve them just the same um, and we still do try to find those pockets of neighborhoods where um, they got a good group of people but they don't have the organization piece to try and get them organized mm. um, and so um, we still try to do that to make sure that everybody has the opportunity that if you want to be um, an association or if you want to have a more structured group we can provide you with the support to do that right. and we actually recommend that it works better that way than just individuals yes reaching out it, it works better their strength in numbers 
If you just tuned in, I'm Jay Sokol. You're listening to Brazos Matters. My guest is Barbara Moore, and we've been talking neighborhoods and college station, but let's move on to something different. Sure. You've got other cool projects going on mm-hmm. and that's kind of on your desk that you may want to talk about. What's what's something pretty neat that we don't hear much about yet? Um, let's see. What is something that we're working on? So last year we did a, um, a video um, during, and it was featured during Juneteenth, and it was all about black history in College Station. Mm. Um, that's something near and dear to my heart because I feel like um, – being here for nearly 20 years, um, some of these people have sort of become my adoptive family. I'm originally from Mississippi, like right on the Mississippi-Louisiana border, and, and finding those people kind of made me feel like I was back at home. Right. And so they are pretty near and dear to my heart. And so just hearing the fascinating stories about so many of them and what they did for the communities. We have a ton of streets in our city that are named after some of these people and we drive down them every day and have no idea who they were. And so um, I worked with our public communications department, um, our video producer, Mark Beal, and said, hey, if we go out and interview some of these people and put something together, you think we could do that? And of course, you know, Mark, he was down for it. Always says yes. Always says yes. Mm -hmm. And so we went out and we interviewed a number of um, elders in the African-American community and talked to them about their experiences here. how the communities changed, what it was like when they were, you know, growing up here. Um, it's interesting to hear some of them talk about Holloman Road when it wasn't Holloman Road and it was like a dirt road and, you know, places that we kind of think of now that's always been populated was nothing there. Um, hearing them kind of talk about the places that were unique to their community um, that they kind of had to create because there were barriers there for them being included in other places, right. uh, like their own movie theaters and their own grocery stores and restaurants and all that right here in College Station. And so I feel like it was really important to make sure that um, those pieces of their history remain, that somebody somewhere can go dig up a video 30 years from now and they can figure out why Richard Street is named after who the heck is Richards. It's Hmm. named after a man named Sam Richardson. Um, And, you know, um, Sterling Street, who is this? There's a whole Sterling family. Um, So I felt like it was important um, to sort of share those people with the community and their contributions. We heard some fantastic stories about, you know, how men in there in the community, particularly in the McCullough neighborhood, um, they dug um, trenches to get water to the neighborhood. Just a bunch of men just like, hey, we need water over here. So this is what we do. And so um, those are the kinds of people that, you know, are pioneers that um, help to make this city what it is and often we don't we don't know who they are and so i felt like it was important for people to know who they were so you did that video we did right is there another video in the works yes we are going to work on a second one hopefully it'll be done by juneteenth again this year um so we covered a lot of the mccullough area which is um the area near the lincoln center off eleanor street mm-hmm. And then we cover the area across from Best Buy, um, across from, excuse me, um, Target, uh, Richards and Sterling Streets. Um, at one time, many, many, many years ago, that area was also a predominantly black area, um, a part of town. From basically Manual Street all the way down to what is now Harvey Road. Okay. Um, and so there was a church there. Um, we interviewed the pastor, um, some of the people from that co- congregation, and they were able to give us some of the history of that whole part of town where Ross and all those areas sit um, at one time was a predominantly black neighborhood um, here in College Station. So we're going to try to go the second video and look more at the area behind Best Buy off of Lincoln, which we refer to in the city as the Paisler neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also known as Prairie View House. It's what I think it's platted as. 
all of those streets over there are named for, and that was also at one time um, a majority um, African-American neighborhood. And so um, the second part will be kind of focusing on some of those people in that section of town over there, um, as well as um, probably some of the educators and people who were very key um, to education um, in the black community in College Station. Now, tell me if my memory is right, because it seems like you and I have had conversations in the past where the, the assumption is that the South Side neighborhood is the oldest in College Station. But actually, that Paisler neighborhood, I swear you told me, is actually older. I think so. I think there have been some disputes as to which one was platted first. So I think South Side may have the distinction of being platted first. But mm-hmm. I think that neighborhood was a very close contemporary, like they were almost sprung up at the same time. So really a ton of history there. A ton of history there. Are there are there many descendants from these legacy families still here? There are. And um, it's important to try and capture that information quickly because many of them are in their 70s and 80s. Okay. And uh, their memories are fading. Um, memories are, are not as crisp as they used to be. And so now we're trying to get the grandchildren of some of these people who are definitely um, getting up in age and so we want to try and and get those memories get them on tape get them in an oral history format so that they will be um, remembered and preserved for years to come yeah so let's let's kind of veer back into your role as university and community relations manager I think College Station, you told me one time was if not the first one of the first cities to sort of really get engaged as a town and gown entity? Mm -hmm. I mean, to really try to have intentional relationship with uh, the university Mm -hmm. and then share those experiences with other town and gown communities. Mm -hmm. Are we plugged into, are we talking to and listening to other town and gown communities? Absolutely. Um, The previous mayor, Carl Mooney, was uh, extremely involved in um, the International Town and Gown Association. John Nichols is now as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we'll be attending their annual conference this year. I think it's in Maryland. Um, We're also hoping sometime in the next two years to be a host community for that conference. Oh, great. Um, We used to have a very strong presence with the National League of Cities. As a matter of fact, Ben White, um, our former mayor, actually chaired the first university council communities with NLC. Um, So we are plugged into them. We do get a lot of information and a lot of great ideas from the International Town and Gown Association. They have grown tremendously over the last maybe five to six years to where we actually have a lot of universities from the UK Mm. um, that are a part of ITGA. They are housed in um, Clemson University out of Clemson. And they do a fantastic job of just facilitating and helping all of us like um, when we were looking to do um, a couple of um, projects that we were thinking about neighborhood wise was like, I called them up and said, Hey, how did they do that in this community? Right. And they had, Oh, this is how they did in East Lansing. And this is how this was done in Gainesville. So they have become a great resource for all of us. They also have are really tackling um, housing affordability for students, but what that is also doing to communities um, who have a large university presence. So affordable housing is really big on mm-hmm. their um, agenda for this year. Um, and so we're actually, the city has an affordable housing action plan committee um, that is meeting now. Uh, and that's basically almost simultaneously doing a lot of the same work that ITGA is doing. So they're tackling the affordable housing piece pretty heavy. Um, and the majority of the college communities that are part of ITGA are doing the exact same thing. So it's not unique to College Station. 
Um, our universities are growing at a rapid rate um, in many of the cities often struggle to keep up. And so we're all peers and this is a, it's a great opportunity for us to kind of talk to each other some of us with the larger universities like A&M, um, we can glean from some other places and other cities who are similar sizes, mm -hmm. similar university size. And so it, it's a great opportunity for us. And it's unique because there are not a ton of town and gown cities around the country. Yeah. You know, there are some colleges like Austin. They have a college, but they're a larger city. Sure. Uh, but it's a little different when um, the universities um enrollment almost parallels the city's um, population right. and so we try to find those ones that are kind of more like us and ITGA has definitely given us the opportunity to do that which ones really seem to resemble us the most that we that you guys keep an eye on mm -hmm. and and look at like yeah that really does make a lot of sense I see us in them mm -hmm. which ones come to mind um, Fort Collins and Boulder uh -huh. are, are typically the um, the vanguards everybody kind of follows their lead um, East Lansing, Michigan um, is another one that a lot of great stuff happens there. Gainesville, um, Tuscaloosa, um, and San Marcos. Those are kind of some of the, the peer cities that we look at a lot. I think um, University of Illinois, um, uh, Urbana-Champaign, mm -hmm. that's another one that's, that's pretty similar in size to us as a city. And so those are kind of some of the ones that we look at. Um, of course, none of them have a university as large as A&M. Um, Athens, Georgia, UGA. Um, so those are kind of some of the ones that we work with, um, University of North, Cha North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. um, so those are all sort of some of the peers who their cities resemble ours. Um, and uh, we've had some really good interactions with folks at those universities as well as at those cities. Okay, so I would be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, about Citizens University, yes, which is a perfect way for people of practically any age, mm -hmm. um, whether you have just moved here, or you've lived here for a long time, yes. to learn about all of the resources available mm -hmm. and just how things work. Yes. Um, can you kind of give a quick plug Absolutely. for that? Absolutely. So we are about two, we have about two or three weeks left of Citizens University. If anybody wants to join us um, in 2025, we'll start putting out info in November mm -hmm. um, of this year. But it is basically about a 10 week program where you go behind the scenes and you learn about every city department. You go to the fire department, you go to the police department, you go to public works, you meet with the city manager and the council and you find out how the budget works and you find out how our parks department works. Every department um, you get a chance to kind of go behind the scenes uh, talk to the directors talk to the people who make those departments run um, you get your questions answered and you kind of get a chance to see you know you hear a lot in the media and you hear a lot of speculation on social media about oh the city's doing this or the city's doing that or why didn't the city think about this well this gives you the opportunity to find out how those things really happen. It kind of takes away the speculation. Uh, the program has been going on since 1996, and it is amazing. Yeah. I um, took it over about a year and a half ago, and I absolutely love it. And I think if anybody wants to know more about the City of College Station, how your city works, how your tax dollars are spent, how what we do at City Hall when you see us driving around in these trucks, <laughs> come hang out with us for 10 weeks. We'd love to have you. Do I remember correctly? CSTX.gov slash CU? Correct. That's it. I, yes. I, and also, we are trying to pilot a high school version of oh. that. And so um, we are trying to decide if we're going to try to pull that back out in the fall um, or we're going to wait until 25. But we are working with our local high schools um, to say, hey, send us your kids. We want them to know how their government works, too. That is fantastic. Barbara Moore, thank you so much for the talk. 
It is wonderful to see you. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Brazos Matters is a production of Aggieland's Public Radio, 90.9 KAMU-FM, a member of Texas A&M University's Division of Marketing and Communications. Our show is engineered and edited by Matt Dipman. You can learn more about us. Check out all the Brazos Matters archives at kamu.tamu.edu slash radio or on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Jay Sokol. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.